You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for this special episode of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. I am so grateful that we get to talk to Andi Colbert today. You guys might remember her from our Trisofter episode. It was a very popular episode and I am so thankful she's back to talk about her new book, brand new out there, Strong Like Water. This book blew me away. I loved pre-reading it, and now I want to go back through again more slowly because I'm soaking it up. Yes, analogy included here. There's so many great flow examples in her book and just ways to help you to find your way to fluidly process your trauma. And she even has steps that she has delineated what the stages of trauma are. So I am so grateful. Not only does she build upon so many heroes of the past, but in her type four space and gifting, she really helps us to slow down, to do some exercises in the book and on the air today, as well as really gives us the authentic and compassionate space to do this together as couples if we're partnered. So I'm grateful for individual and couples work today. Let's welcome Andi on and don't forget to check out the show notes where you can get her book. It's already out this last week so you can start reading right away but bring a journal with you. This is like one of our deep dive episodes so I'm grateful you get to walk with us here today because I think it's an unforgettable time together. Okay let's bring Andi on. Andi thank you so much for coming back to the ENM podcast. We're just so excited. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back. Mm, Your show was one of the shows that people mentioned for so long afterwards from the Try Softer episode. So this is just our delight to be able to share in the joys of your new book. Can Mm -hmm. you just tell us a little bit about yourself for those folks just getting to know you? Yes. Um, Yes. So I am a uh, licensed professional counselor. Um, I specialize in trauma and body-centered work. Um, I'm also a trauma survivor, so that has very much been a part of at least forming some of my perspectives on on how important um, things like safety and care and really centering uh, trauma survivors in the work is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm married to my husband, Brendan, and we've been married for almost 16 years, Mm -hmm. and I have two kiddos as well. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And I loved even in your beautiful book, you sharing a bit about how this is a family process. You're all learning and growing together. We remember from your marriage pairing that you're a four seven. So since we got to hear some of your story last time, I thought we might ask you, what is something that you and your husband uh, have shared lately as a meaningful part of maybe this book launch or just a time in life together? Yeah. Well, you know, gosh, it almost makes me emotional just because Brendan has been just, just a profound, um, a profound support in this journey. We've had, we've had quite a year, um, a lot of, um, a lot of hard things have happened in this last year, even in the process Mm -hmm. of writing this book and getting to publishing. And so, um, you know, I mean, from things like my mom had a stroke, we oh. moved across the country, my dad died. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we just, and I mean, that was just like the big things, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so he, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think just, we really see our marriage as a partnership. Um, mm-hmm. And he has just particularly as I am, have moved to, you know, I, my book came out two days ago and, yeah. um, and I think his understanding, like what it costs me personally, mm-hmm. like something I'm choosing to give, but it still yeah. costs me yeah. to give sort of birth this work. Yeah. And I think he has learned that even more deeply since, since Trisofter came out, has come out mm-hmm. that it's the sense of like, it's a sacred duty. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I want to do it. And also it's not an easy thing. Right. And so he has just been, um, 
like he's working really hard on like a little on a, on a little lunch party for us this weekend oh. like and just just some really special touch points to um you know I think especially in his sevenness yeah mm-hmm. um he has helped me to develop um more of a rhythm of celebration of mm-hmm. like man this I mean, I poured Mm. everything I had out. Mm -hmm. And so I plan in all the ways that I'm able Mm. to savor, to celebrate, to honor, like not just to be like, oh, we're done now. Like I'm through that hard thing and now I'm going to do another hard thing. But instead to say, oh no, no. for as long as it takes, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is part of the journey is to actually to really savor what's happened here. Um, and so he has been just a really beautiful part of, of helping with that. Hmm. Oh, I love that. And I know everyone listening is glowing with you guys as you say that. And I really think of the merging of the four and the seven as you named a beautiful word for it, savor, because you can hold on to things and he can bring that, that shine to that. And so, wow. I love that you guys are doing that and pulling each other towards that and sometimes bringing, not pulling, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about, as we look at your book, as a four, you do bring such authenticity and thank you for sharing and being authentic. But I know in that four space, we can keep ourselves isolated in the space of uniqueness and separateness. And so tell us a little bit about what that costs us when we trade that uniqueness or separateness for belonging. Yeah, I love that you pulled this out because, you know, especially early um, in in my new book, Strong Like Water, um, this concept I think is, and probably because I'm a four, I'm especially attuned to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this matters for everyone. Um, There's a great quote by Gabor, Dr. Gabor Mate, Mm -hmm. and I always mess up the quote, but (laughs) but the overall quote is essentially that we have two needs authenticity and belonging. Mm -hmm. And when um, belonging threatens authenticity, we will essentially choose belonging over authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so in that, he he frames it through that lens of like, again, that that's a survival, Mm -hmm. like, like that we, um, we are designed to become ourselves. That's the authenticity. But Mm -hmm. before we can do that, I, when I think of belonging, I think a, a, of attachment Mm -hmm. and attachment. I mean, it starts from like our first breath, even, even I think when we're in our mother's womb, um, that we are beginning to sense sense connection. Mm -hmm. And so when, because that's such an early need and it's such a, um, it's so hardwired that we need it. It's almost like our body is saying, well, if I have to choose between the two, I'll go with this one. But in the big picture of who we are and what we need, we need both. Mm-hmm. Like that's the trajectory of becoming ourselves and becoming mature, becoming our God-given selves. And mm-hmm. so I think the work um, for many folks is, is that when we've had to trade that, you know, that authenticity for belonging, is to go back with that tender care, that compassion. Um, Mm -hmm. In the book, I talk about some of this through the lens of like compassionate resourcing, Mm -hmm. that we would attend to the places where there has been pain and do what we can to repair it. Mm -hmm. And as we do, our body is so brilliant at, at being able to, we can heal and we can repair. But it is, you know, I think a lot of that comes through Um, finding spaces, finding people where we are seen Mm. as who we actually are. And at the pace we're able, Mm. um, that belonging actually births authenticity. Mm. I think that is an amazing goal for us all to look towards, especially as you said uh, earlier, that sometimes we we have this code with Enneagram language that we may almost sit in some of these spaces like I'm a withdrawing type or I'm a compliant type mm-hmm. or assertive. And I like how you're reminding us the goal is the both and here. It's really sinking into who we are uniquely made 
by God, Mm. as well as belonging as an ultimate goal. But thank you for just even encouraging me today and all of us not to sacrifice Mm. who we really are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love, I, I love that. And I know we'll talk about other things, but I think there's just so much richness in that entire angle. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly, I love that we are talking about this in the context of the Enneagram because mm-hmm. it is helpful. Like, I really love the Enneagram mm-hmm. and we get stuck in putting ourselves, you know, maybe someone else put us in a box and then we also participate in putting ourselves in those boxes. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, I really believe like we are made for fullness. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the Enneagram is part of the expression of what comes out often. Mm -hmm. That's maybe also part of the ways we've survived, but that we are made for more. There is an expansiveness to our humanity. um, That is for all of us. Mm, Yes. Oh my goodness. And that is flowing right into your beautiful new book, Strong Like Water. Tell us about, as as we talk about this expansiveness and resourcing in compassionate ways, why did you call your book Strong Like Water? It's such a beautiful name. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think it's really connected for me to the idea that for so much of my life, I have experienced strength as something that I had to be like, I I didn't feel like there was a choice about being strong. Um, I think that that is very, you know, I am, I identify as an Enneagram four, um, but a, the subtype as um, the self-preservation Enneagram Mm -hmm. four. And so for folks who are familiar with that, some of the traits of that often are like tenacity and a sense of like, Rather than um, oftentimes presenting maybe like other fours, there's a sense of like, well, if I can't get my needs met, I'm going to like take all that pain and I'm going to channel it Mm -hmm. into sort of getting the things that like I want or to sort of like um, being, I mean, self-press fours can can appear very tough, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially on the outside. Mm -hmm. And so... I, that has been such a helpful thing for me to understand because, you know, 20 years ago, I would have said, oh, strength, strength is always about like hurting yourself. And like, it's, it's always connected to just like, you know, no pain, no gain. And like, just Mm. because that's what means like you're actually in it kind of. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that there aren't times where we may need that kind of way to show up. Mm -hmm. But ultimately strong like water has been my own journey and really my own clinical work as well to create a more expansive definition of what we mean when we talk about strength, Mm -hmm. because the reality is, is that it takes a lot of strength to feel your feelings. It requires a lot of strength to um, receive help, to allow yourself to be seen, to metabolize um, emotion, to be able to um, integrate the experiences of our lives. And so what I have felt for a long time is that people look at folks who are healing as somehow being kind of weak, (laughs) And they themselves sometimes maybe see themselves as like, oh gosh, you know, I let myself down again because I was so kind to myself or, you know, this one, I'm going to let myself this one day (laughs) do the things that I actually need, but I can't do that again. Mm, True. And and so this book is, and this concept is about saying like, like water Mm -hmm. that can, can take many different forms. Mm-hmm. that can travel through many different types of barriers that can sink to the lowest, you know, uh, place that can uh, mm-hmm. seep through cracks. Um, we are made for more than just surviving. Like water is able and capable to do so many things. Oh, and God. so are we. Oh my gosh. You just said that so well. I know it's just 
pausing with it and getting that into our souls to believe it. Because as you said, there's such a negative narrative and we forget. And you talk about John 10, 10 and the overflowing life. And there's just so many beautiful pieces of uh, God's word. And also we know in Enneagram circles, it can become a very negative space. And so I love that you're helping us even within your four to develop not only tenacity and resilience, but not to self-sabotage, but to build one another up. And mm. even here you're saying we're adaptable even when we've had trauma. Oh yes. Oh, amazing. Yes. No, I, I love, I love, you know, what you're mirroring back and just that sense of, yeah, I think again, I agree with you. Like I, I do love the Enneagram and part of actually what I love about the Enneagram is that it, it shows us that there are ways for us to grow. Mm. You know, there's like, it sort of paints a picture to yeah. say, here's where you may go mm-hmm. as you are feeling, you know, in the language of strong, like water, as you are feeling more resourced, mm-hmm. here's where you may go as your body perceives mm-hmm. you have the safety and support oh, that you need. This may be how you show up in the world. Yeah. And alternately with strong, like water language, it's kind of like when you are feeling, when your body is perceiving, you don't have enough safety. Mm-hmm. Here's how you may present. Mm. Um, when you are recognizing that, you know, maybe old pain is getting activated, this is what that might look like for you. Mm. And so what I appreciate about this is that, um, all, you know, again, both frameworks are, are, there's a movement again, like that's what I love with water too. Like ultimately Mm. that there is, there is a flexibility to it. Mm. Like we, none of us, I think are made God didn't design us for this rigid way to be like that. Our humanity, Jesus showed up in so many different ways Yes, with his emotional, you know, ability to show up as celebration and grief um, in, in even fierceness um, with boundaries and even just like with human needs Mm. show us that it's like, we also no matter what, mm-hmm. whether we are in strength, like what we would think of as like more of an integrative strength or whether we are like more in pain mm-hmm. that like, there is just a fullness to who we are as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And guys, she talks a lot about this so beautifully in this book. And really, I love how you even developed some new, uh, you named some new pieces of our trauma process because you really invite us to hold on to some self-respect as we walk through the journey versus just traumatized. You allow us to say, you know, I'm traumatized, but I'm held. And there's meaningful work to do even in beginning stages, even if those beginning stages take years. Mm -hmm. And I love how you're sharing how Christ has such a diversity in that palette of experiences just to further validate that we don't have to sit in darkness and shame um, when we're not there yet in quotes. So this is extremely nice for our listeners to hear. Also, just knowing that they're going to incorporate when you walk them through different uh, charts for trauma, they're going to be seeing some of their tendencies, which is neat because I can see a lot of the different spaces for where we can go in trauma within your book. Um, so tell us a little bit about something that you think uh, le- people here listening can learn about their bodies as they're trying to recognize safety. And maybe it's a technique you want to share or just some piece of awareness that they can already be learning with us today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I will just say is that to to kind of understand safety, I think, is to recognize that our bodies are designed to constantly be scanning for either, either safety or threat. And this is um, the work of Dr. Stephen Porges. He he coined the term neuroception. And neuroception is a process by which we are subconsciously, like constantly scanning our environment for that safety or threat. Mm-hmm. And because that is true, when I talk about safety, there's a lot of different ways that people might think of safety. But I am in particular looking at that context of is your body perceiving that there is enough um, enough cues that you are safe, that you can sort of 
even from a neurobiological standpoint, that you essentially, that your brain can stay online. And what I mean when I say that is, is if your brain begins to perceive that there is a significant danger, um, this is when we go outside of what you would call the window of tolerance. Um, that's when we're going to start to go in, into a trauma or a stress response. So fight or flight, potentially fawning, or we may go down into like a freeze or dissociation. And so what's important to understand is that um, the safety is the path that both keeps us sort of in the window. Mm -hmm. And if you've left, if you've been feeling unsafe, it's also safety that brings us back. So, you know, just to use my number for an example, like I'm a four in stress, I go to two. And so, um, you know, and I have, I would say like two is one of the ways I might present in stress, but there's a whole, oh, yeah. there's a whole bunch of different ways. Um, but just for this, like I um, resonate, it's fawning, the fawn response, which is very much about appeasing threat. So over accommodating, pleasing because you perceive there's a threat. Um, if, if my body is perceiving that and I begin to go outside of my window, a cue, I, I might need various cues of safety. Mm. Now for me, because I've been able to do a good amount of work, sometimes that for me is literally like reminding myself, like I am a 40 year old woman. Yeah. Like I have the right <laughs> to disappoint people. Yeah. Like I, like it is okay for me to have an opinion and a voice. Mm -hmm. Now, these for me are a cue of safety. Now that has taken some time. Like I've had to do some therapy and some inner child work. But as my body perceives like, oh, I like to that younger part of myself, like that it is safe for me to stay, I call it staying with myself. So yeah. instead of having to go all the way to the fawn response, I, the cue of safety is to know that like, like I can be with myself. I can have compassion. If that isn't feeling like enough, there are safe people in my life. Mm -hmm. If it's feeling so overwhelming, I might need to do some things like grounding, mm -hmm. or I might need to do some things like grounding and then containment where I give myself a, the ability to fill a little bit of space. And then I might do like some sort of meditation. Mm. So all of those things, I think the picture that I'm wanting to paint is, first of all, everybody's system is a little different mm -hmm. and that's okay, but it's safety that does the hard work. It's not more pain. It's not even like, it's not even a cognition, right? Like, even though I was talking to my younger self, it's because I have the embodied experiences of listening to my younger self mm -hmm. that when I start to go into a place of stress, the younger self is sort of willing to listen. Mm. So all that to say, that's sort of like a high level perspective on how this is a model that like we sort of move with it and that movement back to safety in the, like in the book, strong, like water, I sort of look at that, like, like that is an expansive strength. Mm -hmm. Me coming back mm -hmm. to myself is strength mm -hmm. because now I can, I can maybe speak up and use my voice and say, you know, what? I'm not comfortable with what you're asking, or I might say, uh, you know what, I actually need to get going, but it's great to see you. If that person is like, it's just too much for my body to be able to navigate. Um, and that again is a form of strength yeah. because if I'm fully in that trauma response, mm -hmm. it's like, I have so much less choice when I'm there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And it really allows people to be true to what's happening inside versus just cultural norms say that you work, work, work and never take a break or that you should honor your parents. But now we have a parent abusing. And so it's really wonderful for you to say we have some 
God-given defense strategies that really keep us strong when we're paying attention. And I want to let listeners know that she mentioned grounding and containment, and these are in her book. And so it's it's awesome for us, especially as we listen in light of marriage, that you said, you know, we become more expansive together. We want that belonging for these couples listening. And today we've been using the analogy of color so much, and we talk about that a lot here. Um, so help us to know when couples are not shining, but they're in the shadows together. What are some ways that we might, and I know you said, I I'm speaking from a four space, but that's okay because that's a space of depth. And a lot of people head into that four space, uh, when they're feeling that way, uh, and a little bit withdrawn from their spouse. So help us to know something we can do together, perhaps as couples, or even when we're not together, but we can do this for our marriage. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is this is such a good question. And one of the things that I I will say that um is so hopeful to me, mm-hmm. and I, I talk about this a lot in Strong Like Water, is that one of the ways our body most is most apt to experience safety is actually through being able to co-regulate mm-hmm. with another person. Mm-hmm. Now so this is so exciting because on one, on one hand, um, it means this is really, it can be, there's the potential that this can be really accessible. Mm-hmm. And, but on the other hand, and I'm going to talk about both parts of this. The other hand is that like, let's say one or both people have like significant dysregulation, mm-hmm. history of trauma, um, all that type of thing. It, it impedes the co-regulation. So I'm going to talk about this first through the sense of, I think, you know, again, going back to attachment, going back to the very beginning, Mm -hmm. we are designed to experience co-regulation from our earliest moments. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the ways that our body, because when you think about like babies, Mm -hmm. they do not have the tools, the capacity to like, go and like, okay, you're ready for the world. Like Mm -hmm. they are, they are not ready. Their brains are not developed. Their prefrontal cortex is not developed. Um, They don't have the ability to reason. They don't have context. There's so many things. And so it's actually this beautiful gift that there, that our bodies, even from, you know, our earliest breaths, are made to co-regulate with our caregivers. Mm-hmm. And that teaches us about safety, just like on a real basic sense, that's where we learn it. Mm-hmm. And when you've had lots of experiences of what I would call good enough parenting, where there's enough, there's enough attunement, there's enough co-regulation, not perfect. You carry that in your body as a template, as a story, as an inner knowing, you carry that. And then when you, you know, when you fast forward to folks we're talking about into marriage, oftentimes, if that's been your experience, you will bring that into marriage Mm -hmm. and you're not going to do it perfectly. But if you have enough resources and support, you probably have a sense of like how to get back to feeling like yourself. Mm -hmm. And then especially when you're kind of with your person. There's just this beautiful, there's like, it's a, it's like, you can almost like, it's sparkly, like it's shimmery. There's like this energy and you're just like, you're just with each other in a way that nobody can even like words don't do it justice to like how good that feels. Like that's very, um, like that's, uh, you know, I think very indicative of what's called ventral vagal. Yeah. which is a nervous system state that we're in when we're in that sort of window of tolerance. And so this is a place, you know, like as often as you experience that with your spouse, and maybe it's just as simple as like going on a, on a walk or like you're just holding hands and you're watching your favorite show, or you're like joking together, making dinner, or you, you know, it doesn't have to be like this amazing, you know, like we went on this huge vacation. Like it doesn't have to be that in many ways, it's more important that we have those like lots of moments of that Mm co-regulation and that sort of nourishes us. Like it literally nourishes and rebuilds sort of the the nervous system. And, And from the strong, like water perspective, it actually gives us greater capacity to move through difficult things. Um, 
folks probably, you know, you may or may not have had the experience that being with someone who you feel really gets you when you've faced something hard, Mm -hmm. you have that internal knowing, like, I think I'm going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Like when you were alone, you were like, man, it's just too much. But when you felt like someone was really, really with you, Mm-hmm. it changed something. Mm-hmm. And that changes on so many levels, including neurobiologically how we feel. So the first that's the first thing I want to say, because there is just so much hope. I mean, this is, there is like a, there is like a magic, right? Like there's, like, there is a sense of just like, again, like I think of like, it's sparkly, it's shimmery. Yeah. There's something special You're about our this. language here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think there is a real reality that for some folks, they very much love their spouse or their partner or whatever, and they don't always or often or in specific seasons, they cannot, they feel like they cannot get back to a place where you're able to consistently co-regulate, where your bodies are in And when I think about co-regulation, I'll say this, it's almost just that sense of like, when you feel like when you're with someone and you can really exhale, yeah, like your body truly settles yeah, and you're not performing and you're not working and you're not having to be like, what do they need? Or you're not having to be vigilant. And there is a settledness Mm. to co-regulation. And so for folks that are struggling to find this. One of the things that I would just say is that, you know, I think keeping your eyes out or even just being like um, a little bit imaginative or creative about, like, again, it doesn't have to look the way Hallmark movies present these kinds of ideas, but almost like stepping back and getting curious about When are those many moments that you have experienced it? You know, like, like, is it just sitting outside and you're like that day is ending and you're watching the sun go down and it's just taking a moment and just letting each other be in each other's presence? Mm -hmm. Or is it just like, what are those, those small things? Because sometimes I think we, we, we so want things to look like this, like maybe at some point in your relationship, you have experienced that and you feel like you want to get back to that. And there's that sense of like, you, it feels um, almost overwhelming because it feels so different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so getting curious about, I I almost think of it like an ebb and flow of like, if you can have those moments of regulate of co-regulation and then, and then working to do your own regulation. And then coming back to the co-regulation. And then because doing that is going to create like these rhythms and these momentums that will nourish. So the co-regulation will feed your Mm -hmm. ability to sort of individually regulate. And the individual regulation as you're able will help you pour that like almost like your good internal energy into the co-regulation. And so I just think there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope. And for folks who need ideas, I have what I call the compassionate resources throughout the book. And, and there really is kind of some ideas for both. Um, It could kind of go both, both ways. So feel free to check that out. Absolutely. We will. And I loved getting to see your video on this. And when people are doing your uh, exercises, they may be doing some of them, like you said, with their spouse or imagining their spouse, if that spouse has become, or at times has been a safe person for them. And I love how you mentioned earlier about your husband and how he's been able to be that for you in very strategic moments when you are desperate for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I do think the potential and the hope is there. And I love that you spoke that into our audience because sometimes people are listening from a desperate moment or week. And so that just really encourages them. And Mm -hmm. I know you uh, are, you know, we think about uh, this sometimes in stages of a relationship here on this podcast and through our resourcing. And we think about it as sort of an afterglow together that you do this work and then you have this, but that also at times when your spouse 
has fallen back into dysregulation and you still yet need support to go on. And there are, as we know from losing parents and walking parents through strokes, um, there are moments when we can't be fully regulated. And so in those moments when our spouses can't be that for us uh, or we can't be that for them, I loved how you reminded us about the ways that Christ has modeled that for us. Maybe you could talk just a little bit about that for our listeners Mm -hmm. so they could get a sense of how God can compassionately resource them. Mm, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do want to just agree with you in the sense of like, one thing I want to add before I I go to that piece is that sometimes in that journey, it's like, you're not able to co-regulate and also you're not quite yet ready to self-regulate. And this is also an important thing to understand that this is where community, where Mm -hmm. therapy, Mm -hmm. where mentors, where good friendships matter. And it matters for all of us, right? Even for folks. I mean, I know folks who are listening are mostly like partnered, but in general, this is for all of us. This is what it means to be human. And what's cool about that is that never, it's like, there's a pouring in and that it doesn't go, it's not ever to waste. Like it's always a part of like that ability to more deeply love ourselves, to love our neighbors and to love God. And that, that there are different times and different seasons and different places where we are able to get our needs met Mm -hmm. and that all of that is needed. Like there's not one place that is the only place. It's sort of like all of it is needed, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And speaking about, you know, the faith piece is that, you know, and I always say, because I know, you know, this is at times for some folks, they, this is not always true, like because of lots of things, maybe their faith, faith has maybe been weaponized against them. There can be reasons why they want even faith to be accessible, but it it's maybe not always feeling that way in their body. Mm-hmm. And I want to honor that. I want, I, and that's one of the things I really try to do in the book too, is just to say, I believe first and foremost, God's posture to us is kind. Mm-hmm. And even if we cannot yet receive the kindness, yeah. that is true. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge that. Um, and I really do believe that God is the author of resources, the author of compassionate resourcing. Mm-hmm. And and there are so many different expressions. Like sometimes like the expression is something like grounding. And sometimes the expression is you know, being able to be with someone who really gets us. And sometimes it is really the sense of, you know, the, I call it um, experiential withness of God. Like that. It's like the sense of, you know, for me in my own journey, it's like, oftentimes like I love walking Mm -hmm. and getting outside and Um, there's, you know, sometimes it's listening to certain music. Sometimes it's just meditating on a verse. Sometimes there are just different things, but again, you know, just like we talked about the ventral vagal, like as like this sparkly, there's shimmeriness to it, that there is a sense that I, I really, you know, I, I see this in other folks and I know this in my own journey as the resourcing that happens Mm -hmm. through that connection to God, to God who comes to be with us, you know, um, through the person of Jesus, that there is, there's something really specific and special about that. Um, and so I just think, you know, like in strong, like water, um, I reflect on, on a, on a couple different pieces of faith integration, but one that I love, um, is Psalm 23 mm-hmm. and Psalm 23 for some time now was sort of this anchoring point that I felt like God gave me um, in a really hard season Mm -hmm. that felt like that sense of in a way, like almost like in the way that I felt my husband's, I have felt my husband's presence at times with me really getting me. It's, it was the, it has been the same Mm -hmm. of the same, the sense of like, Oh, with, me like like you 
restore my soul. Like you lead me mm-hmm. and are with me in the, and, and lead me, you know, by still waters. And, and so, so many, so for me, I, I am speaking about that sort of specifically to my own experience. Yeah. And I think there's a lots of different ways mm-hmm. that that can be true, that faith and spirituality has that potential mm-hmm. to really be a beautiful resource in this work. Mm. Wow. That is so well said. And I know that we're hopeful again with you in the sense that, as you mentioned, some people don't have that, but they want that. And you also invited us to be creative with that, to not feel like we have to be uh, just exactly like you are with God or mm-hmm. uh, in that same moment, although somebody else may be right now going to Psalm 23 and saying, yes, I, I want this mm-hmm. to speak to my soul too. And so I love that you shared that with us and are giving people the creativity and reminders gently that uh, faith is one space that can be tapped into when they're feeling like they are dysregulated, their spouse is dysregulated. You also reminded us that they can really reach out to community members, which I've been really uh, learning recently from uh, a grief therapist. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful reminder that we can truly uh, find not everything in every one um, person, but in in multiple people. So thank you for reminding us that with trauma pieces, we may need God and we may need others. <laughs> yes. And there's no shame in that. In some ways it's like, it's actually brilliant mm. because we, all of us are limited, you know? I mean, especially as we go through this season that we've been in the world where there's just been so much collective hard, there's been years of hard mm. and people I think we're just starting to even figure out like how that's impacted folks, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so it is okay and normal that a spouse can't give us everything. Yeah, that's okay. That doesn't mean they don't love us or you and, and that you too, the person listening can't be the only one cannot Mm -hmm. be the only resource because we're just, we are finite and that that is also worthy of honoring. Mm, yes. And as in, before we close, I want to uh, potentially do an exercise with you, but just to remind listeners that in Andy's book, what I really have been loving so far is that you really go through this stage piece where we can really honor different moments in the dysregulation as well as mm. as we get regulated. And I just can't thank you enough for identifying and delineating that a bit because I do think trauma can be very murky and just inviting us into saying, you know, maybe you did do part of your work with your spouse, but there's still more to do. And your book helps us to see what pieces might still be needed. And maybe you're in the process right now and now you're back to square one in some ways. So just know this. Uh, I think it's groundbreaking in that way that you've really given us some stages. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And yeah, I, you know, I think part of my passion is to destigmatize talking about trauma for everyone mm-hmm. and including followers of Jesus. Right. And like, like, because I think this is a human experience mm-hmm. and that is it. And that includes those who follow Jesus. And like that there is a, I think that there is a, um, I hope a compassion mm-hmm. that comes out of that. It's not to say we necessarily want to live there, yeah, but we don't change by shame. Like this is not, that is not the way that is not the path. Um, and again, like we know the author of compassionate resourcing Mm -hmm. and, and that I don't think it's an accident. It's the way we are designed. Mm -hmm. And so I think as we honor all of that, um, I think ultimately God willing that produces a deeper, a deeper respect um, a deeper connection, attunement, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully that that leads to life. Mm, I believe it will for ourselves and for those we influence too. So thank you for this incredible work. Um, I know, as you mentioned, it is a true labor of love, but also calling. So I love that you stepped into it mm-hmm. and uh, now we're just gonna, gonna get to see it. So Is there something that you can leave us with as we've perhaps unwrapped a little bit of just stuff 
for people yeah. that they can really just take with them something simple to guide them out. Yeah. Yeah. One practice that um, I really love is, is something that I call art <laughs> because, and I thought about it through the lens of like, um, you know, I thought about that God is the master artist and we were art. Yeah. And so um, this is a sort of a, a little bit of like an internal practice where it stands for attune, mm-hmm. respond and tend. And, and for folks who are listening, what I like to say is, you know, if at all possible, we really want to start from a grounded place. That's always where we want to start because that um, communicates some safety to our bodies. So if you're not feeling grounded, you may want to take a moment first and go outside or just really like use your five senses to come into the present moment mm-hmm. because, because before we do this kind of work, yeah. We, we, we need to be grounded. So I just want to say that first. Awesome. Um, the second piece is this attune. You know, one of the things that you may just consider doing is, you know, in the space you're in, if it feels okay to, I love to put my hand on my heart mm. and to do a body scan. And that's a lot of times I describe that as like, almost like a laser from the top of our head mm. all the way down to our toes. Mm. And as we're doing that, we're just noticing like, like what's coming up for us at any given, like it could be, um, you know, like, oh, I feel a little bit of tension in my shoulders. I'm feeling a little anxious about this thing that I'm going to do later in the day. Like this is just, you know, an example. Mm -hmm. So this is the process I think of like, we're attuning, we're just listening. Mm -hmm. And then once we get this information, it's sort of like we're trying to say, how then can I respond? And this is the space where, you know, again, in the book, I give lots of ideas about compassionate resourcing, but it's almost like we're plugging in what we need. So like, for example, if I'm feeling anxious about something, I might say, you know, I'm going to do this thing later, but before I do it, I'm going to go take a 15 minute walk. And I'm just going to really let myself be present as I'm walking. I'm going to just, I'm not going to like, you know, try to plan or I'm not going to try to multitask. I'm just going to be present. And so as we do that, that's giving us that information. And then we're, and then we're able to respond to it. So then the final stage is that we are, we're trying to tend. This is the last in art. That's the T. And with tending, I like to think of it like, you know, for example, let's say you um, have done the hard thing that day mm-hmm. and you're, you're done with, with that part of it. And things a little bit like you're keeping an eye, you're sort of keeping an ear out for the experience of your body. Like you've done mm-hmm. the hard work of really trying to listen now, and you've done the work of responding to it. And it's almost like you're staying curious not that you're repeating the steps, but you're just sort of almost open yeah. to if your body has anything else that it wants to say. Mm. But what I find is, is that because we've been already been listening, a lot of times there's just a lot less there, mm. but it continues to communicate a sense of safety to our body that we're just, we're not like, oh yeah, in two months, I'll check back in with myself. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like this sense of, I sometimes use the analogy, like with my kiddos, um, if I take them to the park and if they have, if they're hungry, you know, and I haven't fed them, like, they're going to be like, mom, mom, Hey, I need your attention. Yeah. And so it's like, First, I need to do the, I need to attend to the need. I need to attune to that. I need to respond. Okay, let's eat some food. Mm -hmm. But then once some of those primary needs are met, they're going off to play. And I might be standing there and I might be even talking to a friend and I don't have to give quite that same attention, but I'm still watching. Mm. And so in this process of art, I think of it like it's just sort of a little bit of a cycle for ourselves to constantly be like attuning, responding, tending. And we may find ourselves in different parts at different times. Oh, thank you. That is just beautiful. And 
I was able to do that with you right now. And I, I know many have been able to do that with you right now. And it's such a gift to us. It slows us down. Uh, something I was looking forward to about this interview was a chance to slow down. And, and you're really good about doing that with people, even in your tenacity of the self-press mm-hmm. for, because you're so safe. So I know that people are now encouraged that they can do that even when you're not here. And you might even be the person sometime that they picture when they're trying to find that safe image. Um, But either way, I think that you're even helping us to see with the kids, with spouses, sometimes we're thinking of them. I know I'm thinking of my husband with all of his patients in his medical practice when you say that. And I'm like, I need to make sure I haven't texted him and talked to him at all yet today. I need to absolutely make sure I attune to him and uh, let him know that I'm trying to be a compassionate resource to him because I know he's such a words of affirmation person. And and you're just really helping us to do that with ourselves, <laughs> to be able to say, I have a big day today. And instead of coming back, like you said, in two months, I'm coming back to honor that today and now. And so thank you. And also just letting us know it can be done in this brief format with this wonderful, uh, quick practice. So this is one of many amazing practices in your book. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. It's been our delay and tell our listeners where they can find more of you and your book. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me at ondicolbert.com and I have various resources and my books are there. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ondicolbert and also on Twitter at ondicolbert. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for staying here to end this special episode with us. Make sure you check out the show notes to meet Andi at her Instagram. Also to make sure that you get inside of her book. There are a lot of personal details and stories, which I know we love here. We love the personal, the heart, the vulnerability, but also bringing you safety for your relationships. I can't count how many tips are in here for you. There are dozens of strategies. So make sure you don't rush it. Make sure you give yourself permission to take time to grow with us. I'm so thankful for you and all the hard work you're doing. I know you're going to bring these new skills as you co-regulate your family and make sure you get your own self-care as you refresh others with this abundant living you're now doing more and more of, we hope. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.